Hey everybody, welcome to our Wednesday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. I am Dan Lobby, joined as always today by Mary Kay Cabot. Mary Kay, how are you? I'm doing great, Dan. How you doing? Doing well. And Scott Patsko. Scott, how are you? Doing good. Doing good. Okay, so today we heard from Andrew Barry. It's actually the first time we've heard from Andrew in a little while. I was trying to think. I don't think we've heard from him really since the draft. Maybe I'm, I'm forgetting one, but uh, we haven't heard from Andrew regardless in, in a little while. And so we're going to talk about a few things that, that kind of stood out to us as we talked to him and, and some of the news of the day here. Kind of a news of the day podcast for you uh, to kick off your Wednesday. So the one quote that kind of stood out to me with Andrew, and, and this is a guy that picks his words very carefully when he talks to us, and, and you're not going to catch him saying something that he shouldn't say or doesn't want to say. Um, he, he mentioned Odell Beckham. That interview in the Wall Street Journal came out uh, on Monday. Now it was you know, the interview happened two weeks ago. It happened before the NFL-NFLPA agreement. We talked about it on our Tuesday pod a little bit. Mary Kay, you wrote about it as well. Uh, But I thought the thing that stood out to me, and you can find this on cleveland.com slash Browns also, is Andrew Barry also said this about Beckham. You know, having a player of Odell stature on the roster, obviously he he generates a lot of attention. And, um, you know, Odell's very mindful that, that, you know, he has to be, you know, conscientious with, you know, with his words. With that being said, that you know we've had plenty of dialogue and conversation, you know, with Odell, not only just uh, through the summer, but certainly as he's he's returned to um, Cleveland, and that's that's been a positive thing. I thought that was a really interesting thing for the GM to say, not just to say to Odell, but to say publicly. So, Mary Kay, when when you heard that, and of course you decided to to write about it as well. I guess what was your first thought? Zing. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I, I listen for those kinds of things. And when he said that, I thought, wow, that is like the first time I've really ever heard anybody say that Odell is a very popular, very powerful guy. He makes headlines. Everything that he says goes viral. And therefore, he has to be very conscientious with his words. I thought it was very significant uh, that, that Andrew Barry said that. Because this is a football team uh, that wants things to be very team protecting. Uh, they want this to be all about what is good for the Cleveland Browns. And I just thought that that was a you know very professional but very significant way of Andrew Barry to handle that. And, and they've talked to Odell a lot of different times. They've had a lot of dialogue with him. And I'm sure they said to him, you, you kind of need to be careful with how you say things and, and what you're saying. Yeah, I remember uh, when Odell's first press conferences, I think it was actually during camp. Um, it had to be during camp because he was hardly there during OTAs. But um, he talked about how, how you know, the media reacts when he does things and says things and how everything he says becomes a headline. And this is kind of the other side of that, you know, you know, he had, he understands all that. He knows that uh, when he says things, he knows that when he talked about that in the Wall Street Journal, that, that it was, you know, when it did, did come out, it was going to be noticed. He knew that. Um, so yeah, I was, uh, Andrew Barry kind of providing the other side of that and hopefully getting the message across. I wonder if he used that word when he actually sat down with Odell, because that's, that's a good um, way to kind of say something forceful without really sounding like, you know, hey, watch what you're, watch your mouth and not so many words. Uh, but yeah, it, it's good that he said that. It's good that it seems like they know that Odell needs to kind of watch, watch what he does this year because you don't want a situation like last year when every week it seemed like there was a new Odell story. 
Yeah, I want to read the, the exact quote here just, just from Andrew. Having a player of Odell's stature on the roster, obviously he generates a lot of attention. Odell is very mindful that he has to be conscientious with his words. So just to, to kind of clarify, he's sort of saying Odell knows that, but it also sounded very much like when Andrew said it, he was kind of saying it as well. Like, Odell, you've got to be conscientious. <laughs> you know, he's saying Odell knows it, but I'm also sort of reinforcing this uh, when I say this publicly on a, on a Zoom call. Yeah, I, I think he was trying to say, I reminded Odell that he needs to be very <laughs> mindful uh, of this situation. I, you know, I think that, that he was trying to say that, you know, in the dialogue that we've had over the summer and since he's been back, you know, we have talked to him about how he needs to be conscientious with his words. Yeah, the words left out there are he's hopefully aware or he, you know, he understands now that he needs to be mindful. So th this goes to, to sort of a bigger topic as well. And we can certainly still continue to talk about it frame, framed in the Odell, uh, the Odell frame, if you will. See how many times I can say the word frame. Uh, but, you know, we all remember last year and last offseason with this football team and all the talk, the covers, the interviews, Baker Mayfield talking about Daniel Jones. It seems like a decade ago, but it was only a year ago when a lot of this stuff was happening. Um, this year, it has been much quieter. Now, you know, I always kind of get asked, is that just because, is that a message from up top or is that just because these guys haven't been as accessible uh, due to the situation we're in where everything's virtual, we didn't have spring football, so we didn't get to talk to these guys regularly. Uh, and, and I've always kind of believed that it's a combination of the two, but it really does feel like Kevin Stefanski and Andrew Barry, they're both very measured. We know their personalities. You know, the message has sort of been sent, hey, we're not going to talk about stuff. We're not going to make these big outlandish declarations. We're going to keep it close to the vest. We're going to not make a ton of headlines. Obviously that's bad for us, but, but good for the football team. We're not going to make a ton of headlines and we're going to try and go out there on the field and, and do our talking like that. You know, this was a football team that was out of control last year. Every single day, pretty much, uh, there was some other fire to put out. And these guys are not going to tolerate that. Uh, Kevin Stefanski made it perfectly clear when he came in, we're not going to be talking about what we're going to be doing. We're going to be doing what we're going to be doing. Uh, so, you know, he was very adamant about that from the start. And I've noticed other things. For instance, Baker Mayfield uh, put something on his Instagram the other day, and I really wasn't sure how to take where he was going with what he put out there. And I don't know if it's appropriate for me to, to repeat it here because he deleted it. And the fact that he deleted it, I'm going to leave it deleted. But it was something that could have been construed as, you know, somewhat controversial and drawing attention to, to himself in a way that he might not have wanted or it might not have been good for the football team. And he deleted it. And I think that that is something like that last year. And, and, and I mean, I don't mean to make it be some kind of big mystery. It, it had to do with you know, COVID-19 and the treatment of it and how that happens or doesn't happen. And, um, and last year, I don't know that somebody would have talked to him and, and have said, you probably should delete that. But now there is a little bit more control over the message and, you know, how they want these players behaving. Things got way out, out of control under Freddie Kitchens last year. There, and, and it was just, uh, the Browns were 
a laughing stock of one headline after another. And I just don't think that that Andrew Barry and Kevin Stefanski are going to tolerate that this year. I don't I don't think the arrival of Stefanski and Barry has the majority to do with all that as maybe or not as enough as much as the fact that they went six and ten. I'm sure you know Odell and Baker Mayfield and Jarvis Landry are getting the same kind of uh, requests for national interviews that they've gotten in the past, but uh, they're probably turning those down, especially Baker Mayfield, um, after what happened last year, because they know that they don't want to get to the season. And, and when they have issues, people are going to point to all the things that they said in the offseason like they did last year. So I think just the, the fact that they went through that season probably has a lot to do with it. I'm sure that they're getting those requests again because um, they're popular players and people are going to want to talk to them. Yeah, they're popular players and the Browns moved the needle. You know, nationally, the, the Browns moved the needle. And we saw that last year. Everything that got written about the Browns uh, just went absolutely crazy. Uh, you know, got reporters, podcasters, they were coming on the, the quarterback RV and interviewing Baker Mayfield. And, and this team was was very much out there and, and they weren't shy about being out there. And I'm, it's probably been hard for some of these guys to maybe take that step back. But I, I think, Scott, I'm glad you brought up Baker because I, and, and Mary Kay too. I, I think maybe he's setting the tone, right? This is your quarterback. And, and this is the guy who, you know, if everything goes right by this time next year, he's going to be the star of, the, of this football team. He's, he's going to be the biggest name. He's going to be the guy that everybody kind of wants a piece of because he's the starting quarterback for a team that finally turned it around. Uh, but it does feel like Baker has been so much quieter this year. Of course, he certainly had to be humbled by what happened last year. And, and he's sort of out here setting that tone, I think, for some of these guys is, you know, we're, we're going to go work. You know, we'll, we'll talk after that if, if we go on the field and make it happen. But, but our goal right now is to, is to just go out and work. Yeah, and you know what? I, I do agree. I mean, he told us uh, on a conference, on a Zoom call at some point in the offseason, I think in May, that he was moving in silence this offseason, that, that he was really trying to, to tone it down and really get focused. And we saw how hard he was working, and we can see the fruits of that now when you see him out there uh, looking leaner and all that kind of stuff. But I think it's easier – to tamp that down when everybody is separate, they're away, they're in their hometowns, it's the off season, they're not around each other, nobody's losing a football game, nobody's dropping a pass, nobody's throwing an interception, no opponent is calling you a name. Uh, and I think that this is a football team that has a lot of big, strong personalities on it, Baker being one of them. And even though I know he will try hard to, to be very positive and team protecting and all those things, Baker is still going to be Baker. I mean, he, he's, you know, that is one thing he had in, in common with Johnny Manziel. Johnny was always like, I'm going to say what I want to say. And I don't really give a darn what anybody thinks. Okay. Now, again, I think Baker is trying hard to dial that back a little bit, but even when it came to the topic of kneeling for the national anthem, he said what he was going to say. And that was, absolutely, I'm going to kneel for the national anthem. Now, that's not a, uh, you know, that wasn't a, a bad thing or anything that's not good for the Cleveland Browns, uh, but still, it was Baker being outspoken on a big topic, and I, and I think that he's still going to be that guy to a point. It's got to be humbling to sit through the playoffs and watch your progressive commercials air every, every TV timeout and know that you came nowhere near reaching the playoffs Maybe going through something like that makes you want to maybe take a step back and be a little quiet the next offseason. 
Yeah, there were there were a lot of hard lessons last offseason. I always kind of come back to, um, you know, Miles Garrett writing that Players Tribune article right before the Browns lost by 30 to the Titans, kind of proclaiming that the Browns had arrived uh, when when they hadn't, as it turns out, actually arrived. I just think there was a lot of uh, of humbling that went on, and you know, you hope the Browns can kind of funnel that now, you know, very quietly into kind of the revenge tour. Uh, that we that we've talked about with this football team, but you know it's certainly not being encouraged. We're hearing Andrew Barry and Kevin Stefanski being very measured in their approach to this season, and I think that's something that these players and and this organization really needed. Okay, let's move on to another topic uh, of the day, and that's Andrew Billings. He becomes the third Browns player to opt out. Uh, safe to say he's the most prominent Browns player to opt out. You know, Drew Forbes was certainly going to compete at, at right guard, but we, we didn't really know what his situation was going to be. Andrew Billings, though, a free agent signing, obviously a guy the Browns like. They, they stole him away from Cincinnati. If, if you watch him, you can see kind of what he brings to that defensive line group, and, and Andrew Barry has said he sees that as sort of a hockey line, right? We're going to rotate guys in and out. So now you lose a really key piece of that rotation. Uh, Andrew Billings, what kind of loss is this, Mary Kay? Well, I think it's significant. I mean, I think that Andrew Billings was going to get uh, a very significant amount of playing time. And I think he may have even been able to challenge a little bit for, for a starting job in there. Uh, now, he would have good competition. You've got Sheldon Richardson, Larry Ogunjobi in there. And they drafted a defensive tackle in the third round. And I always get Jordan Elliott and Jacob Phillips names mixed up. Uh, but Jordan Elliott uh, out of Missouri is another defensive tackle that now, I mean, he has an even bigger opportunity to step in and do something as a rookie. But I think it's very significant because he graded out very well last year uh, amongst defensive tackles. He's, uh, according to PFF, Pro Football Focus, uh, he's very solid. And, you know, they gave him $3.5 million guaranteed. It was an opportunity for him to... Uh, do like a one-year prove-it deal, and, you know, he was still young and all that kind of stuff. So uh, I, I do. I think it, I think it's significant, and I think they were already looking for depth on the defensive line. I think now they have to go out and, and continue to do that. Yeah, this is the first, uh, the first real, I think, setback of the guys who have opted out. You know, Drew Forbes was going to challenge for right guard, but um, you're going up against a guy, Wyatt Teller, who played half the season there, plus Drew Forbes, you know, never done that in the NFL obviously he think he played two games last year he was active for so um so this one I think is 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 a bit of a setback you're really hoping now if you're the Browns that Jordan Elliott is the the steal that people have told you he was in the draft and he can provide that depth because I mean you remember last year the Browns tried repeatedly to build a little more quality depth uh on the interior of the defensive line and they couldn't really do it um they did it this offseason you know you signed Billings and and you draft Elliott, and that looked really good on paper, um, along with Richardson and Ogunjobi. Um, so yeah, I'm curious to see if they're going to address that before the season starts. If not, again, you're just you're hoping that Elliott is uh, a major part of a rotation in there that can get things done. Yeah, and I thought Billings was a guy that maybe could play his way. I, I think we did a pot on this uh, during the offseason. I thought Billings was a guy who could maybe play his way into a longer contract. Uh, he's a young guy, like we've mentioned. He, he hasn't been in the league that long. He sort of checks those boxes of, of guys I think this team is going to want to sign, right? Guys going into their second contracts, uh, guys who, you know, some of them might have a track record like Austin Hooper. Others, 
you know, Billings is an interesting story because he missed his whole rookie year due to injury and has kind of worked his way back. Uh, so they, they get him for that three and a half million dollars, sort of a bargain, but maybe now you turn that into a longer contract if he comes in and plays well, especially with the instability of that position moving forward. He was a guy I was really intrigued to watch. I, I kind of had him circled when we finally got to watch some practices. I wanted to see where he played, how they used him. And then when we got to games, what his role was, you, you go back and watch some of his games you know, on NFL Game Pass, or I don't know how many YouTube highlights there are out of him, but when, when you go back and watch, you can see that he can get in the backfield and, and he can make some plays. Yeah, and uh, and I think this has to be pretty disappointing, although uh, the Browns are very, very supportive and will continue to be so of the players who decide to opt out. Now, what I don't know yet, and I'm trying to find out if it was for a high-risk medical reason, I'm guessing it probably was, uh, that he had some... Uh, belief that he needed to do this, which means that he will get the th uh, $350 stipend and then his contract will toll till next season. So he can come back and, uh, and pick this up again next season. But the significant thing about the whole opting out situation, and I don't know if we touched on this too much when we were talking about Odell, but with the deadline being Thursday right. at four o'clock, I mean, who knows? I mean, Odell the things that he did say in the Wall Street Journal article, even though I've been told he is not going to opt out uh, and that he has every intention of playing this season, I think we're all going to just have like, you know, out of the corner of our eye, you know, looking at that list or waiting and wondering what is going to happen by Thursday at four o'clock. So he's one that I'll be looking at. Another one I'm gonna be looking at, and I mentioned this before on this pod, is Chad Thomas. Why is that? Because uh, he's another guy that he has stated on social media that he is in a high risk category of some of some sort and that he finds this whole thing to be kind of scary. So uh, he's another one. I've, I've tried to ask as many people I can associated with Chad Thomas, is he going to opt out? I haven't gotten a straight answer on that yet, but so there could be at least, you know, one or two more guys coming. Yeah, I mean, I think there probably will be. And, you know, the other thing about Billings is when, when you kind of look at guys that might opt out, you kind of – Billings is a defensive tackle. He's a bigger guy. And, and we've sort of seen – we've seen those guys circled as, uh, you know, keep an eye on what they want to do. You know, offensive linemen and defensive linemen, they're, they're just sort of at higher risk. And, and they're sort of required to be at that higher risk because they have to play at a certain weight. Uh, and especially if you're an interior lineman, uh, it's going to be interesting. We're, we're actually going to hear from J.C. Treader uh, on Wednesday, who, of course, is the president of the NFLPA. And I'm, I'm really curious to see sort of what he has to say uh, about guys making that choice to opt out and, and how they kind of came to that came to that agreement to uh, to allow guys to opt out and, and that deadline. Um, I'm, I'm curious to see sort of what J.C. has to say about a lot of that. Yeah, I, I am, too. Um, and the interesting thing when I look around the league, think about all the offensive tackles that have opted out. I think about 50 guys total in the NFL have opted out and some really good left tackles and right tackles have opted out. I mean, can you imagine? And th there is no indication that anything like this is going to happen. But uh, after the Browns worked so hard to, you know, to beef up the offensive line, could you imagine if, you know, Jack Conklin or Jedrick Wills were like, oh, I think I'm going to, you know, sit this one out. Uh, the Browns have been fortunate so far, but as I look around the league, that's one of the things that has been standing out to me. Greg Robinson's ill-fated border run, man. It's just like worse and worse. <laughs> like he could actually be in a position to get another job this year if he hadn't made a pretty big mistake. 
I also might want to see what JC Treader has to say about Joel Batonio's hair. Uh, if you guys haven't seen those photos, Joel Batonio has the uh, the COVID-19 hair. He's, he's kind of like me. I don't, I don't know if he's been to a barber lately. Uh, he can grow a much better beard than, than I can, but uh, he's, he's certainly got the, uh, the pandemic or, or quarantine hair, whatever you want to call it. Okay, we're going to take a break. I'll tell everybody about Football Insider, and then when we come back, we'll talk a little bit about the challenges that Andrew Berry faces in building this roster. Time for me to tell you all about Football Insider, our tech subscription service where me, Mary Kay Cabot, Scott Patsko, Alice Williams will text you with the latest on the Browns news, analysis, what we're thinking, and more. You can text us back and we respond directly to you cutting through the clutter of social media. You also get opportunities to get involved in this podcast and participate in roundtables and other events for our subscribers. It's like a little club and you want to get involved with this club. You even get a newsletter every day. It's got exclusive content you either won't see on cleveland.com or you'll see before anyone else. You know what though? Don't let me tell you about it. How about if you hear from some of our subscribers as to why they love Football Insider? I, I don't know why any Browns fan would not want to have this. It's great. There's something every day. I mean, it's really, really keep, keeps me in touch with the uh, the Browns. The daily newsletter that y'all put out there, I, I really like that. It's got a lot of links, a lot of different read-ups. I, I mean, just, you know, you get a lot of content. That's why I like it. If I'm at work or something, I need a quick break, I can hit that up and say, oh, and in a minute I can read uh, what you wrote and, uh, you know, see maybe that there's further information in, you know, one of your other articles or something like that. I get excited when I see, you know, my little text messages pop up. <laughs> so if you want to join us, you can start a 14-day free trial by going to cleveland.com slash browns and clicking on the box on the right side of the page. It's $3.99 per month after the trial. Or even easier, since it is a tech service, pick up your phone and text 216-208-3965 to get signed up. Again, to start your 14-day free trial, text 216-208-3965. Now back to our show. Back on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, Dan Lobby with Mary Kay Cabot and Scott Patsko. Let's talk a little bit about roster building. Andrew Barry, for the first time, is putting together a 53-man roster, and what a doozy of a time to have to do that. He talked a little bit about facing, about the challenges he has to face in doing so without preseason games, you know, a shortened practice schedule, not a lot of real practices. You know, scouting is a whole other issue. I did think what was interesting, and, and I believe this is something that has maybe come up on this podcast, um, but I think something he said that was interesting is without preseason games, you don't really get to evaluate other teams' rosters very much. And, I, you know, this is a, a group that when Sashi Brown was here was very active on, on waiver day after, after cutdown day, and the Browns aren't at that top priority spot anymore, but they're up there a little bit with that 6-10 and 10 record. So... Uh, that, I guess that's one of the first challenges is finding those guys on other teams that might get cut loose that you want to bring in and, and see if they can stick. Yeah, I mean, you're going to have to like scour other teams' websites to see what they're, uh, what they're doing in terms of their uh, practice video. The Browns are going to be live streaming their practices, uh, and we don't know exactly what they're going to show on there or not, uh, but I would think that it will, that, that other teams, especially you know, probably teams in, in the AFC North uh, are going to be kind of glued to some of those practices, but all scouts around the country will be looking for ways to find guys like that, that they can add to their roster for depth and the Browns will be no different. And they do need depth. They need linebackers. They, now they need defensive linemen and it will be a little bit more challenging to find that. 
really going to have to rely on the work their, uh, you know, their college scouts and as well as their pro scouts have done before all this happened. You know, the, all the draft prep you did for those undrafted guys who landed on other teams, uh, they're going to have to rely and hope that, you know, that, that they had good intel and, and that they, they have guys that they can, you know, that land in their lap when they get released by other teams. Because I do think that you're going to see more, more of those young guys who maybe don't make it. You know, it's, it's the guys who are the veterans who you know, maybe you're not going to see as many cap casualties uh, this year, but um, the veterans, I think, are just going to be so valuable, guys who have been in the league and proven it. Plus, you know, besides the 53-man roster, you got to fill – it's up to 16 players now on the practice squad this year. Uh, so that's – like I did the math. It's 69 people. Um, there are 79 active players right now. you got two on the COVID list. So, um, you know, it's not very far to go. And then you just have to hope that you can move some people from, you know, from the active roster to that, to that practice squad without anybody else picking them up. Uh, but, yeah, it's, that's a lot of work. And I think that you just – you know, if there's one thing that the Browns have shown is that they have contingency plans for contingency plans. And if there's anybody in the league who has a plan and is ready to move quickly to fill spots, I would have to think it's the Browns just based on uh, what they've done so far this offseason. It'll be busy for agents as well as they try and kind of steer, you know, use some of those connections to steer some players here and there. Um, as far as the 53-man itself, though, the, the, the roster itself, uh, he, Andrew didn't really give up a whole lot as far as whether it favored veterans or, or young guys. And he didn't really seem too phased by the idea of not having preseason games to judge off of. Um, so I'm really curious to see what they create in practice, what kind of competitive periods they create in practice to really judge these guys. And maybe there's a little bit of an edge because, you know, you're not going to have a like a Damon Sheehy Giuseppe, who fans are going to be clamoring, put him on the roster. Let's bring him on because he had that, that kick return where the whole team stormed the field. You kind of get to control, you know, what you see and, and sort of how, you know, where guys perform, how they have to do it. I, I do think coaches and GMs like having that measure of control uh, of putting guys in specific situations and seeing how they react. Well, the other thing with this crew, too, is the fact that they are very analytics-oriented. So they do base a lot of things on grades and numbers and those kind of things. So all of the guys that they signed, uh, you know, they, they really dug into the analytics of Carl Joseph and Kevin Johnson and B.J. Goodson and Andrew Billings and all of those guys. So I think that they are, are so numbers oriented that they feel like they have a pretty good handle on what they're going to see. And I don't think that they are as maybe, uh, you know, freaked out about not having preseason games as some people that don't rely as heavily on those numbers. Uh, I just think that they, they really feel pretty confident about their evals. I think the bigger maybe the bigger loss is just the off season programs, you know, because you haven't seen the progress from, you know, the rookie camp, the OTAs, the, you know, in mini camp. And by the time you get to training camp, you've, you've kind of seen where these players have gone at that point. Um, you know, preseason games are great, but everything's so condensed now. And just like you're starting from scratch right here, you've seen people on zoom. <laughs> you saw them play last year in college, you know, as far as younger guys and you know, draft picks and undrafted free agents. But uh, now you're, you're finally getting them in front of you. And that's, I think that's the bigger thing is just no off season program to kind of have that measuring stick. 
I think the other thing too, you know, we're still trying to figure this front office out. So we, we kind of reference what happened when, when Andrew was here the first time, especially when he was working under uh, Sashi Brown, as opposed to John Dorsey is, you know, they, they tended to err on keeping their guys as far as all these draft picks, we're, we're going to put them on the roster. Uh, they, they tended to really value that. Now, some organizations are like that. Others, again, like we saw with John Dorsey, he wasn't afraid if there was a guy he picked in the sixth or seventh round that didn't work out. Yeah, we're going to try and sneak him through to the practice squad. I think it's Simeon Thomas, uh, someone like that. I, I do think this organization is going to really trust their evaluations, like you were talking about, Mary Kay, trust their evaluations of guys and say, there's a reason we brought this guy here. So we're not going to necessarily overreact to what we see in, you know, a few weeks of camp. Yeah, and uh, it's going to be really interesting to see what, uh, you know, what happens with the, you know, just that whole back end of the roster. I mean, that that's the whole key. We all know who the, you know, who the top 30 guys are going to be. So, uh, you know, it's that it's really comes down to, uh, you know, what's going to happen with all those, the rest of those guys and how are they going to add and, and juggle all of that. All right, there you go. It was uh, Andrew Berry Day here on the uh, Orange and Brown Talk podcast. So uh, we'll wrap it up there. Make sure you're subscribed to Football Insider. Text that number I told you about earlier. Check out cleveland.com slash browns. And of course, make sure you're subscribed to this podcast so you get it right on your phone every day, right at midnight. That's when it posts. So you get it right there on your phone. If you can't sleep, whatever, you can listen to it then or it'll be there in the morning uh, when you wake up. For Scott and Mary Kay, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening, everybody.